And so it is. Amen. Last night when I went to bed, my prayer on Saturday night is that I will wake up in the morning with absolute clarity, that Spirit will speak through me today, and I will only relay the message that is meant to be given through me this morning. And I was also hoping for a nice little example to give you this morning of this message. And I'm holding it in my hand. So just hold that thought for a moment, and I want to tell you a story. Someone sent me this right before Easter. There was a little bunny who was not very happy. Everyone around him was very, very grumpy, and no one loved him. And he was a very, very unhappy, grumpy, negative little rabbit. And someone told him that there was a land, a land of 10,000 mirrors. And he thought, that is where I'll find happiness. And so he followed the directions that they gave him, and he found this land of 10,000 mirrors. And he entered this land, and guess what he found? He had never seen so many grumpy, negative, unhappy rabbits in all of his life. It was the most miserable, miserable place beyond his imaginings. So he left as fast as he could. Well, there was another bunny. Only this bunny was very, very happy. And all around him were people who were happy and joyful and who loved him, and he loved them. But he also loved adventure. And he heard of this land of 10,000 mirrors, and he went there as well. And guess what he found? More joy and more happiness, more smiles than he could even take in. It was truly heaven on earth. Now, um, we often get exactly what we expect, don't we? And life shows up all around us to reflect to us exactly where we are, even if we don't want to admit we're there. About a week ago, some friends and family and I went to a restaurant that I love the food. I just love the food there. However, my past experience of this particular restaurant was that the service was always a little lacking. In fact, the manager of the restaurant seemed to have a cell phone glued to his ear constantly. And so we're going through our meal, and at first, the service is really, really wonderful. And I'm not even thinking about my expectation that the service at this restaurant would be pretty lousy. But then it, I started thinking about it and thinking, wow, it's better tonight than it's ever been. This is really cool. And then someone at our table needed a drink refill. And every time the waitress would look our way, it looked like she was looking directly at her. And the waitress would just walk on by. 
and she's waving and waving and holding up her glass, and the waitress just doesn't seem to see her at all. And I'm thinking, yep, this is the restaurant I remember. The food is great. The service is lousy. But then the other day, I heard Janet say something. She was talking to someone on the phone, and she said, I'm so sorry we didn't meet your expectations. And that just jumped out at me. I thought, wow, life always meets our expectations. So in the restaurant, that came to mind, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting exactly what I expected as far as service goes in this restaurant. Now, by now, we're wondering if they're ever going to bring the check. We finished eating 20 minutes ago. It's getting late at night. We're ready to go home. We're waving them down. Nothing's happening. And I had that thought, my expectations are being met. And he immediately comes over and brings the check. Up and down like a roller coaster in this one little night of eating out. A Course in Miracles says, you see what you expect, and you expect what you invite. Your perception is the result of your invitation coming to you as you sent for it. You know, creation is something that we do all the time, and it certainly is no secret that what we think and we feel and we intend is what we experience in our lives. We can't get around that. You know, we didn't just learn it when the movie came out a few months ago. We didn't just learn it when we first walked into a Unity Church. In fact, we didn't have to learn it at all. We've been doing it since we took our first breath, and no doubt well be before that. However, what we teach and what we try to model and how we want to manifest in our life the, these principles is that we can do this with a little more deliberate intent, that we can put more effort into it and more discipline, and we can take responsibility for what shows up in our life. Sue Cadley shared with me a piece last week. I'm assuming it's from a therapist. Her name is Dr. Patty Budoin, and it's called The Secrets Behind the Secret. Just a two-page little article, and just beautiful. And she said there are three secrets behind the secret. One, that when we think of wanting something, desiring something, putting all that intention to getting something, we're wanting it with our whole mind, heart, and soul, that what we forget is that our conscious mind, what we work with on a daily basis when we deliberately think a thought, is about the size of a pea. And that our unconscious mind, that is also so busy creating, is about the size of the planet. So it takes a tremendous amount of focus on a conscious level to counteract all that unconscious stuff that we're creating. Unconscious stuff that is based on past experience, past learning, past motivations, past experiences. Not just this lifetime, but how many before? All that stuff that is just under the surface. And in that 
gray zone under the surface is all of this emotion that's tied up with all these experiences. And so when we go out there and we start thinking, well, I want to manifest a new car. I want to manifest a loving relationship. I want to manifest so much abundance in my life. How much is there below the surface? When you say, I want a loving relationship, and yet your experience has not been with loving relationships, what thoughts, what subconscious thoughts are really governing what is created in your life? Now, that all can sound pretty ominous, like, well, why even bother? If the unconscious is really the ruling factor, then why even bother? Well, there is a gift in this, a beautiful gift in this, because when we identify good things that we want in our life, what we think of good things, the loving relationship, the abundance in all levels of our life, the good health, it tends to spotlight those areas. It tends to pull them up from the dross and the drudge of our subconscious so that we can look at them and feel the emotion that we have repressed and stuffed down and pretended was not there, and then let it go and heal it. You know, the Fillmores, when they founded Unity, um, a huge part of those early teachings were affirmations and denials. And we tend to forget the denial part. We're just going to affirm our way to whatever we want like a bulldozer running through. Forgetting that, we've, that all this stuff is below the surface, that is begging to be looked at and loved, not by somebody else, but by us. So the purpose of denials is to say, I see you, I feel you, and yes, I acknowledge you and I love you, but I also acknowledge that you're not the truth and you don't have any power except what I give you. And the third secret of the secret is that there is a third level of consciousness that is more powerful than our conscious mind and our unconscious mind. And we can call that our spirit, our soul, our superconscious. And that's the part of us that no matter what we've experienced or what we intend to experience or would love to experience, knows exactly what we need exactly what we need. It is our wiser self, our Christ self. And this part of us will use anything we provide it to take us exactly where we want to go. In fact, when our prayer is for abundance, and perhaps we're focusing on a car, we're focusing on a car, Perhaps it will be someone you meet while searching for that car that ends up being that wonderful love in your life. This part of us, this wise part of us, will use every experience, every desire. It's like the desire is just the tip of the iceberg, which gives us a little bitty hint of the grander good that awaits us. And she says that the best way to bring these three together so that they can work as a unified whole 
is through meditation. And we all know that. We all meditate in some form every day, don't we? It may be the mindless driving we do on 285. It may be the very quiet and deliberate time we set apart every morning or every evening. Dwell shared with me this book this morning. He says it's our book of the week in the bookstore. It's called Jesus for the Rest of Us. And they're on sale, very reasonably, just $5. Rather than leaving your spiritual gifts and insights in your meditation room, your purpose is to share these gifts of love and insight and the wonderful feeling in your heart that comes from such an encounter with the divine. You know, our function is healing. You know, one would think that a call to ministry wasn't a call to heal, but it is. It's simply a call of healing. And it's like Cahill Brown Road, it's that river rushing, it's an impatient path. It's a very impatient path that our only function is healing. Our only function is to heal that sense of separation from spirit that we all experience. If we didn't experience it, we wouldn't be here. And yet every encounter that we have, every experience we have, every goal that we set, every success and every failure, every joy and every sorrow is simply to fulfill our function to heal. Everything. No, nothing is for any other function than that. We have a term called um, spiritual, metaphysical malpractice. And I think we're all guilty of it. And that's when we consider that spiritual success means material success. Spiritual success, we think it means an, an, a financially abundant life. It means that we're going to live in this beautiful home that's like this paradise. That all our relationships are going to be loving and harmonious. It means that we'll never be sick. And that if we experience any financial challenge... That if we can't have that home of our dreams and drive a beautiful car, that if we have relationships in our life that are challenging and not harmonious, and that if we have the nerve to get sick, then we are a spiritual failure. How many of you have had that thought? You know, Holly and I experienced a break-in a few years ago, and that was my big thought. For a while. Wow. What kind of mess up is that? How on earth did I create that? That is spiritual malpractice. That is metaphysical abuse. Because everything that we bring to us Every single thing, consciously, unconsciously, it is all driven by a superconscious force, by this incredible power that within us, that is within us, that knows that 
exactly what we need to heal our sense of separation. And that might look like a failure. That might look like an illness. That might look like a catastrophe. And it also might look like absolute joy. It might look like incredible material success. It might look like radiant health. It might look like the very love of your life just walking in the room and being with you till death do you part. But it might not. In the way of mastery, which I quote often, he says that allowance is the cultivation of a way of looking at the events in your life not as obstacles to getting what you want, but as stepping stones. Each one presents you with a blessing of the lessons required to heal the obstacles, not to success, but to the presence of love as the source and ground of your being. In the stage of allowance, we cultivate an acceptance of all things in our experience. We begin to see that because we have made a commitment to awakening and incarnating only Christ, the universe is already conspiring to bring the people and the events into our lives on a moment-to-moment basis that can best provide us with exactly what we most need to learn or become aware of. And messengers are sent. And I love this part. This could come in the form of someone you fall in love with. Or it could be someone who comes as the grain of sand within your oyster that causes the friction within you that nudges you from your sleep. And you realize that you've been operating out of some very dysfunctional patterns and that you have got to get a better grip upon the truth of who you are. Anybody have any pearls in your oyster? They are your messengers. Allowance is the cultivation of a quality of awareness in which you rest in the recognition that your life is no longer your own to dictate and control, but that you have given it over to the source of your own beingness to that depth of wisdom and the depth of the ocean that knows best how to bring about what is required to push up the dross from within your consciousness so that you can release it. Allowance cultivates trust. You know, when an experience comes up in our life, and they do, they do over and over in just the course of a day. Why did I get stopped at at this red light? Why can't I find my other shoe? Why is the light bulb blown? All the little, just thousands of things that happen throughout the day. We so often immediately go into judgment. Immediately. Allowance invites us to go into trust. To reprogram that conscious part of us that immediately goes into fear in all its different disguises. Instead, just with a breath, go into trust that even this burned-out light bulb 
is a gift to me today. That the time I will take to replace that light bulb, perhaps it is just to remember to stay plugged into my source, that I have the power to turn that light on. What a gift, then, is a burned-out light bulb to give us that invitation to just take a moment and remember who we are. The next stage from allowance is a state of surrender. Here is where the mystical transformation is culminated or completed. It is here that you understand the meaning of the teaching, I live, yet not I, but Christ dwelleth as me. Surrender is a stage in which perfect peace is the foundation, not only for passivity or inactivity, but for even more activity. You find yourself, as long as you live in this world, being busier and busier and asked to do more and more. How many of you found that? That the further along your spiritual path you go, the more you are called to do, moment to moment. You become even more responsible. Eventually, you come to see that because you are the Christ, you are responsible for the whole of creation. Just breathe that in. You're responsible for the whole of creation. You come to see that you cannot think a thought without disturbing the Father's star. That's power. You come to recognize that your greatest joy, your greatest fulfillment is in holy and deliberately accepting responsibility for creation. Because you suddenly realize that you are not the maker and the doer. That you can accept responsibility for anything and everything because through you, all power under heaven and earth is made to flow to manifest the love of God. What a function is that? To heal and to manifest the love of God. This ancient little unity book, I think it was first published in 1929, called What Are You? Got to love this name. Amelda Octavia, Octavia Shanklin. Imagine learning to spell that as a kindergartner. Amelda says, God the non-resistant also is God the irresistible. Non-resistance is the irritability that without hurt delivers you whenever there is a need of deliverance, that wraps you in the shining mantle of God's protecting love, that flings wide for you the portals of the highest heaven, that within the tempest chant sings the conqueror's anthem. It is the bud on the tree of life that tells of fruits to follow. It is the coolness of crystal waters without which your soul would grievously thirst. It is the day star of a fair air in your eternity. It is God living you 
in holiest manifestation. You are heaven's non-resistant, all-conquering hero. Non-resistance, allowance, surrender, all names for the same thing. Thy kingdom come. The non-resistance of God. The peace of the kingdom. Thy will be done. So how do we fulfill our function? How do we use our gift of expectation? How do we use allowance and non-resistance? First, we can simply desire to fulfill our function. And we're doing that now. Whatever work you do, the people you're with, whatever your home looks like, your career, your choice to be here today, the desire to fulfill our function above all other desire, knowing that the other desires that come forth give us a clue, give us our next step. And then to intend, to use our power of intention, to put that conscious focus on creating the good that we desire in our life and then allowing whatever comes up from that desire and that intention, that focus, to allow whatever experiences come into our day to meet them with trust that they are there for our healing. They are there to fulfill that function. Expect the miracles because they're all miracles. Expect the pearls and the great loves and surrender from that place of allowing and if that surrender can only come in the blink of an eye and then another blink and it's gone, be grateful for that blink. Because one blink becomes another blink becomes another. And each and every second that we can live in the moment as the non-resistant Christ, we have brought heaven to earth and to our own experience. We are the heart. We are the hands. And we are the voice of spirit on earth. Through us, God experiences creation. Through each of us. And all we are and all that we do is a blessing to the earth. So just look around at the blessings. Allow yourselves to just look in each other's eyes. You are the happy bunny. 
in the land of 10,000 mirrors, a blessing to the world. <laughs>